Welcome to the Talking Transformation podcast. I'm your podcast host, Peter Ahmad, recording from Cape Town, South Africa, since June 2019. The Talking Transformation podcast provides an open and accessible platform for built environment professionals and interest groups to share their reflections and aspirations relating to the transformation of places and spaces in South Africa. It's intended to be a celebration of the individuals and community groups who are supporting formal and informal processes that are addressing the challenges of South Africa's history and shaping the future of our neighbourhoods and cities. This podcast mini-series of the Talking Transformation podcasts differs slightly from the usual approach. The episodes that follow canvas the thoughts and perspectives of participants in the City of Cape Town's Spatial Planning and Urban Design exhibition that's been taking place at the Civic Centre in the CBD of Cape Town between July 27th and August the 2nd. On August the 1st, I spoke with many of the participants on a day that focused on inputs from tertiary institutions in the planning and urban design disciplines. What was so encouraging was the use of the public space within the Civic Centre, the ground floor podium, which was transformed from an echoey and soulless corridor to a vibrant and engaging place for people to come together and discuss matters of planning, community engagement and rebuilding and enhancing Cape Town. In this first episode, we hear from the management and organising team, what they were wanting to achieve and how they went about their four-day programme. You'll hear from those responsible for compiling and implementing the spatial development plans of the city of Cape Town and how they're thinking about engagement more broadly with the public and how they're expanding their engagement and analysis tools. You'll hear from Rob McGaffin, the Executive Director for Spatial Planning and the Environment Directorate, Erica Nodier from the Urban Planning and Design Department, Annalise DeBrain, Manager of the Metropolitan Spatial Planning Team, and organisers Tandeka Kabeni and Ashley Hemraj from the Urban Planning and Design Department. In future episodes, we'll hear not only from the other units presenting from the different scales of planning, from metropolitan scale, district planning, through to the urban design and implementation teams, but you'll also hear from the students and the lecturers who provided the basis of day three's engagement. As always, we hope you enjoy the episode. I'm now joined by the Executive Director of the Planning Department and Environment, Rob McGaffin. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Not the first time we have you behind a mic, but normally online. This time we've actually got you in person. How are you keeping and what's news your side? Good, thanks, Pete. I think I think the last time you had me on here, I didn't have this role though. So I'm playing a slightly different role or wearing a slightly different hat this time around. Yeah, it's a big hat, but it comes with big responsibilities. How has things been going since you've arrived, Rob? I think it's just over a year now that you've been here? Just under a year. It's been a challenge. It's been a lot. There's a lot of uh, the volume of work that actually comes at you and the diversity of the work that comes at you is a lot. A lot of silly processes and that to get to understand. It came in on the back end just of the MSDF being approved and the DSDF's been approved, so that was an exciting time, but an interesting time in terms of understanding how the city works. Some of the debates around it, you know, there was a lot of discussions before its approval around certain key areas of, of work and that's so it was a good time to come in to hear those debates and start to engage with them. But it's really nice to see some of the work being displayed now that it's all been approved, gone through the cycles and now it's the next step, which is to take it down a scale and to start to get into the nuts and bolts of implementation. One of the things that I would guess is great to look back on is A, you've got the MSDF, the, sp- the spatial or citywide spatial framework, the district plans, I think there are eight of them and 
going now down into that local spatial frameworks that are on sh being showcased here today. But I guess the opportunity to showcase some of the mechanics behind the decisions and the policy elements in those documents is also one of the benefits. It's one of the reasons why I'm really pleased about this exhibition because a lot of the time all people see is the output, the product, the plan, etc. And they don't understand what was the rationale and the logic and the evidence base that went into making those decisions. And for the first time in a while, I think we've got to actually display, or if I could put it slightly differently, we, we got under the hood of actually understanding why certain decisions were made, why certain uh, diagram spatial outputs were agreed to. And just to, I think, give credit to the team. Um, I wasn't aware of it to the degree that when I came in, I wasn't aware of the incredible amount of work that actually went into and the amount of evidence that is sitting behind a lot of the plans and the maps that you see on but the walls there. But also just actually to also display the work itself because often that is as interesting as the plans and the maps itself. And just as a sideshow, the mayor came down and was having a look the other evening and he was commenting and I think he was incredibly interested to see some of the work that sits behind some of the plans etc and the subsequent work that's a, if I could call it a spin-off of some of this work the densification work that's been done and analysis that's been done for the IRT phase two I know he was particularly interested in that and it was really good to have that opportunity to display it and not to display it in a report. And it's very difficult to get somebody to read a, a 200 or 300 page report. And I think the team's done a great job of taking a lot of really complex work and actually condensing it and summarizing it, putting it in a graphic form that's quite easy to absorb and to understand. It must be fantastic for you having worked on, for example, eCamp back in the day as one of the sort of evaluation tools that was available. Now, you, you worked on that in co-create space between the university and the city at that stage. And now you're here as sort of the big chief, the executive director, where eCamp is one of a number of evidence-based tools which can start to shape either decision-making or at least have a barometer of where things are at. How do you think of things have changed since that period when you worked here, 2012, 2013, around that time on, for example, eCamp. Do you think we've moved forward in terms of the applications that are available and the decision-making capabilities that these things drive? I think, Pete, it's a bit of both. I think in one level we regressed a bit. As we know, some of the instruments like eCamp and that, they were very relevant at the time but became outdated as the data got older, etc. We didn't update it, perhaps for a number of reasons. I'm not to mention we had things like COVID and a few things like that that came our way that caused some problems there. But where I think we've advanced is the technology that we have today and capabilities we have today that perhaps we didn't have back then. The original eCamp, as you know well, is, you know, was a series of spreadsheets, which is great. Uh, one thing that's nice about a spreadsheet is very transparent. You can see everything. Although you uh, can hide cells. <laughs> <laughs> columns. We would never do something like that, Pete. But its functionality is limited. And, and one of the things, it's very analog in terms of updating it. So I'm very excited. In fact, we, we're doing a lot of work at the moment to revise eCamp but on a different platform. 
and a platform that gets is able to be updated with more, if I can call it real-time data, uh, on a more continuous basis, and working more on a database platform rather than an Excel platform, which means your ability to interrogate it is just greatly enhanced. Uh, also, with throughout the city itself, uh, there's a lot of work's gone into improving and enhancing the capability of the data science. And so we've got some very smart people who are operating in that space. I'm looking, really looking forward to the opportunity of bringing some of that into this piece of work where we can use that data science capabilities just to enhance our level of analysis and the scope of what we analyze. I think where the magic starts to happen, Rob, and we've sort of talked about this before, is when you can spend 80% of the time on the so what of the information as opposed to 80% of your time chasing that information, then you start to invert the conversation and have a real value add around this information is telling us this, this, and this, and so what? We need to adapt, we need to re-realign. Re I think that's where the magic happens. I think you hit the nail on the head, Peter. I hadn't actually thought about it that way, but I think you're right. Probably in the past, we spend 80% of our time trying to get the data and then perhaps kind of 20% analyzing it. And it's clearly the wrong way around. So we just got to get smarter where we're able to flip that ratio. Final thing, Rob, in terms of the feedback that you've received, either in the political space or the other, your colleagues in that executive, which you may have, some of them might not have known some of this. Some might be news. But yeah, just generally, what the, what's the feedback that you've seen at that a different level to most of the colleagues we would have spoken to over the last few hours today? It's interesting, Peter. I've had a lot of corridor feedback. I've had feedback from the mayor. I've had feedback from a lot of the political advisors who've, who've, who've actually been in the space. We've had good feedback from the deputy mayor, who's obviously been a, quite a champion in the space in terms of championing it. The, but my colleagues in the EMT as well, there's a number of colleagues who have wondered and, and, and uh, in fact, sent me one or two WhatsApp messages but about it and, and actually seeing what's available. I think what this work represents also is an enormous resource to other directorates and departments, whether you're in human settlements or you're in some of the engineering directorates, etc. from a planning point of view. And I think you're right. They probably weren't aware to the degree that they are now of what is out there and what's, you know, what we have to offer. And I, I always say, if you bring value to the table, you get invited to the table. And that's one of our key, all you know, in the directorate, myself and my fellow directors, one of our objectives in the coming year, et cetera, has been to get spatial planning at the decision-making table where we can actually add value, but also influence some decisions. And I think our colleagues who have seen some of the value on show today I think it's going to help us to get back to that table where we need to be. Well, Rob, more strength to you and that team. I wish you the very, very best in terms of all of, all of the different plates that you're spinning. Keep spinning and keep doing what you're doing. And genuinely, congratulations to you and the team for something that's unique, it's special, and long may it be replicated and re-looked at. How you can take this out to other parts of the city, how you can target certain stakeholder groups, but most importantly, just keep the energy and spirit which is very, very evident just walking and engaging with former teammates and those who have chosen to come and spend their time here today. Thanks very much. And I, yeah, I just want to take the opportunity as well to congratulate in particular the director, 
but Erica Nordea, whose idea it was, she approached me and said, Rob, I've got this idea. And in fact, the team have approached her and said, we've got this idea. So there was a lot of enthusiasm that came from the ground up. So I didn't have to do very much, actually. She, I said, absolutely. I think it's a great idea, but it was a lot of hard yards and kudos to her and her team for taking the initiative. I do think she's caused a bit of a, an issue in the directorate, though, because on the back of this success... I think we're going to be doing this with a lot of the other departments in the directorate as well. So I saw the director for environment there sitting in, in panel and I can just see it won't be long before but Lorraine's knocking on the door to do a very Rightly similar thing. So, Rob. And they're doing some great work in that space as well. There's some great work happening in the development management space, which we, we want to show the world that it's more than just about approving a building plan. And particularly some very interesting space where we're building the capabilities around the urban regeneration department in the directorate as well. So this is just the beginning. Sounds like you need to sharpen your red ribbon cutting scissors, Rob. Mm -hmm. Get ready. Sounds like you've got more of this to come. Good luck. Thanks very much, Pete. I'm absolutely delighted to be sat here in the shadow of Table Mountain with the director, the big chief of spatial planning and urban design, Erica Nordea. Erica, how are you keeping? Are you well? I'm doing very, very well and very excited this week. So it's good luck. You know, feeling. So the adrenaline is still going on the back of what's happening outside these doors here, yeah? It's very exciting, but it's just the beginning, you know. So it like really gives you that boost of energy about all the things that can come from this. So it's really, really exciting. This is an amazing space that's available, but often is dead space during the day. People walking through the thoroughfare. You've turned what is known as the podium here at the Civic Centre into this amazing ex- exhibition space where I think each of the units, and maybe you want to give us an overview of who are the units that are showcasing, and then how you start to think about developing a program that has pulled in, like today, uh, the academic space, and I think tomorrow you've got the, some of the practitioners. Tell us a bit about the genesis of this whole thing. So basically what we decided to do was to showcase some of the work that the department does, because we obviously believe that Uh, We do amazing work, but everybody doesn't always get exposed to it. Often the public and stakeholders only see the final product, so they don't see the work that has gone into it, the thinking that has gone into it. And often also they they see the big products like the MSDF and the DSDF, etc., but they don't realize what happens afterwards and how we take that to implementation. So the whole intention of this expo was to create exposure, for the team in terms of those products to make sure that we engage with our stakeholders and give them a platform to also showcase the work but also for them to identify those kinds of projects that they would like to be involved in and continue to be involved in so that we have more regular engagement and it doesn't only happen like on an ad hoc basis when we've got a specific product that we have to take through uh, public participation and also to create opportunities for collaboration with our own internal departments. So the intention of displaying you know, our work on the podium was also so that we can catch a lot of the internal staff and internal departments that walk past to showcase what we are doing. And we've had enormous responses from people saying, we didn't know that you do that. Oh, this links to what we are doing. You know, maybe you can assist us with something. So a lot of those things that people were not aware, we could now address because now people, they know who to contact, etc. So what we've done is basically to showcase the work of the department using the different branches. So it's starting off with the Metro Spatial Planning team 
and the work that they do. So showcasing work with regards to the MSDF that we do, but also a lot of the work that informs that information. So the land use model, the spatial trends report where we ma uh, monitor the changes in the built environment as well as part of the evaluation process. Some of the other projects like the CBD transition plan, some of the other bigger things like the Scott model, the ECAMP model. So all that kind of data rich information that we have is showcased there to show how we get to the policy decisions that we make. Then we've got the district branch that is also displaying their work in terms of the eight different district spatial development frameworks that we have, but taking that further into implementation in terms of some of the local spatial development frameworks that we are involved with currently, either have completed or that is ongoing, but also the work that we are doing in the mechanisms branch, like for example the in incentive overlay zone that we are currently busy with, the work with regards to heritage exemptions to enable development in particular areas, uh, land identification for other departments for their needs. Then we move on to the urban design branch that are showcasing many of their projects that they are busy with that also leads to capital project implementation. And it's very exciting because they also showcase there some of the methods that we use in public participation to make it more tangible and understandable to the residents. So you will see there's, for example, the display with Lego that showcases how we go about the public participation processes as well. And we also have the Urban Sustainability Unit that then is showcasing their work around the Potsdam Innovation Campus, some of the projects that they are involved in, and basically just promoting the whole idea about sustainable development. So yeah, it's past projects, current projects, future projects that we want to, to work on. It's just a snapshot. It obviously is not everything that the department is doing, but enough to, I think, entice people and to get people interested in what we do. I think what's really special about this is illustrating that golden thread from a metro city city-wide perspective right down into the nuts and bolts of a neighborhood and what makes that work and it's a very powerful way of illustrating that. What is the feedback that you've been getting Erica? You've said you've, some of the departments even have been saying wow we didn't know but I mean what you've heard what you've listened to in terms of the, you had, I think, the launch event on Thursday. You've had uh, schools through here. You, today you've got the academics, and tomorrow I think you've got the practitioners. But what are you hearing from people in terms of saying they like what they see, they don't like, or this part needs improving? What's, what's going on? Basically, everybody has, has indicated that they are very appreciative of the fact that we are actually showcasing the work because many people were not aware of some of the work. Uh, we've made incredible connections with regards to sharing information, so additional data sources that we didn't know about, that people have come up to say, we think that, you know, the data that we have. We had somebody from West Korea, for example, that's also doing work around the manufacturing sector, and when they saw the work around ECAMP, etc., offered information that we didn't even know existed. The other thing I also just maybe wanted to mention was that even though we display the work in terms of the different branches going in terms of the different scales of planning from metro to a neighborhood level, we do have certain strategic programs that we are working with 
which we almost call like the wicked problems of the city, and to demonstrate that kind of transversality in terms of how we try and approach these issues. We've identified these programs and color-coded them so you can also see that thread going through. So if it is something, for example, urbanization, some of the projects you will see have got a color code that speaks to urbanization, but it will also be repeated with some of the projects from the district level, etc., so that you can easily identify the different pieces of work and how they make a contribution to addressing either urbanization or economic growth or sustainability, etc., because those are transversal themes. It's not only one department or one unit that has the responsibility to address those issues. But all the work that we do, we try and, and then also translate into those programs. When we started this conversation, you said this is the beginning. On the one hand, you still need to get through today and tomorrow and then catch your breath just to reflect on what, what worked and what can be improved. But there is a sort of part of me which is already saying, I guess this becomes an annual event. This is something that you'd want to replicate and potentially even in a modular way, maybe start taking out to the community, taking it out. Are these any of the conversations, have you started to think about this? Is this, again, your own ambition with this, Erica? What's your thinking on that? Absolutely, no, that's definitely why we want to scale it up. One of the key themes for us as a department as well is around how do we improve not only communication, but awareness creation and co-creation in terms of what we do and co-planning. So that becomes very important. So the entire program has got a whole lot of different components. We want to take this out, for example, together with a program around education and awareness to various resident associations, CBOs, uh, local communities, etc., to actually develop a training program around spatial planning, but then use the material that we've got here to also do that. We obviously want to go to our various districts, so we also plan to do a roadshow to get closer to the community. Obviously, it's very time-consuming, so uh, it needs to be planned appropriately. I'm also very excited to mention that we have launched what we call an advisory panel, which is an advisory panel uh, made up of various industry specialists and professionals that we would like to work with on a continuous basis to give us feedback and test some of the work that we do around whether, you know, it is sound, whether the data that we use is correct, etc., whether our assumptions and the analysis that we derive is giving us the right information. So that will also become a quarterly event. So we hope to use, for example, some of these projects to also then engage further with the advisory panel to get that kind of continuous feedback from them. And then obviously this kind of expo we would like to do on an annual basis, hopefully grow that quite a little bit and also be able to take it out to other platforms. So also thinking about, you know, other industry forums like the Western Cape Property Development Forum. Maybe we can showcase the work there next year so we can also reach a, a broader community and a broader audience with regards to the work that we do. My understanding is that you weren't able to bring in an events company to do this and again more strength to you and the team because what I'm seeing in the feedback I'm getting is certainly that what you've been able to do here on a, on a shoestring with a lot of time and effort but less around the money side is you put on a world-class event and all the very best to you and the team, congrats, 
more strength and look forward to hearing where it goes to from here. Thank you so much and I must give a shout out to the team. I was saying to uh, the alderman the other day that for me this was the best team building exercise that we could have done. It gave us the best common understanding about what we are trying to achieve, create that understanding between the different branches around the other projects and other initiatives that everybody is involved in. One of the other big lessons for me is, you know, we always have these very complicated, thick documents and to be able to translate that information into a single poster is quite incredible to get the message across. And the entire team worked tirelessly to put it together from conception to the design of the posters, to putting the information and the, the actual information together, planning the program, sending it out, managing the events as they happen over this week. It's been a great team building exercise. So yeah, no, very happy with that. L lots of lessons learned. And again, just all the best. As I say, more strength. Thanks thank for you. your time, Erica. I know you're busy, but thank you for making the time. Pleasure. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. So I've now got with me Annalise De Brain, the manager of Metropolitan Spatial Planning. Welcome, Annalise. How are you doing Thanks, today? Pete. You good, good afternoon. Yeah, nice, nice to see you. Very nice to see you. It's, well, it's <laughs> lovely to be here, and thanks yeah, for yeah, thanks yeah. for the invite and to just spend some time with some special people doing some special work. And I actually wanted to use this opportunity chatting to you as the as the manager responsible for the metropolitan scale or the citywide plan, the MSDF. The, Municipal Spatial Development Framework, mm. I still Medicinal. remember that. Tell us a bit about that process that you underwent during the course of last year of getting it approved and how this ex expo fitted into a, a sort of a, the next phase of that. Mm. Pete, we, uh, we've always said that when we review the MSDF and even the district plans, we should uh, be coming closer to the communities. And in actual fact, the last four years, we've spent a lot of time in the communities. Uh, our district planning colleagues went through several phases of 30 and 60 days engagements. Ourselves and district planning last year, I think we had 40 or 50 community engagement sessions. So I think we, we the, the city and our department decided to really go down, engage as much as possible, CBOs, NGOs, the sub-councils, and really try to extract their views on their neighbourhood and what would they like to see? We know that MSDFs and DSDFs are projects that is important for council, but not so important for people. And we at least felt that we should make an effort to document as much as possible what communities would like to see. We know that they get frustrated with these projects because they don't end up in being an upgraded park or an upgraded road. But it is kind of important for them to to see that whatever they say come onto a map and a plan and then other things happen after that. So I think it was very valuable for us to go so deep, so long, so thorough, 90 days for the drafts of the MSF. Once we've obtained the council approval in January, um, we've also had a parallel objective and that is to involve communities more into uh, the, the rollout of these plans. So this kind of exhibition was the first of our big effort to launch the, the printed documents. We went through a severely <laughs> detailed graphic design phase to, to produce it in a high quality uh, document, but also to make it ready in the language that people would be interested in. So hopefully we will take this exhibition out on a round trip to Cape Town citizens. Um, yeah, and, and the exhibition contains a bit more than only the MSDF-DSDFs. It actually reflects all other current projects that we have at the moment. 
projects that feed into the district plans and the estates and also out of that. Yeah. So I, th I think that's been one of my, my reflections is what you've got here is not just the end product, no. but also those inputs that often are lesser spotted, lesser discussed, yeah. or lesser known, certainly yeah. in that public realm, whether it's things like the e-camp, whether it's the land use model, those type of things I think have been really valuable for people to engage with. Yeah, yeah. No, I think what, what we spent quite a bit of uh, time in making these posters and so that they explain the context and also the thinking behind why we have these projects, especially for the repetitive projects like the land use model, e-camp and the spatial trends, which maybe you have seen now, the third version is massive. We've uh, just last week completed about 100 panels of technical information on spatial trends in the built environment in Cape Town. So that's very, very useful. We think some of these new products will be very interested to uh, property developers, to property agents, brokers and, and people who are keen on understanding how, how the built environment is changing. We talk about the land use model. Mm. That is obviously, to you and I, that's bread and butter and yeah. important foundation. But somebody listening to this might be thinking, land use, what, yeah. what, 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 maybe just tell us a bit about the land use model and why that's so important yeah. within that, that planning context. So the land use model is the, is the phrase for a piece of work that basically runs every three years. It tries to predict the urbanization growth and what it means in terms of how many people are arriving in Cape Town, how many households do they represent, where will they be staying, where are they inclined to stay, also what would the impact be of those new residents and the growth in our existing communities on the, the demand for business land or business floor space for industrial land or industrial floor space, community use and offices. So the land use model consists of residential growth estimates uh, looking 20 years forward on, on the number of households to arrive and which income group we think they're going to be, and then also what's the impact on land users. So it contains basically that we generate a base year update every year. So if it's the year 23 like now, we will try and do as much as possible to get a picture together of where are these households, how many of which type are there. And so we are desperately awaiting the census information. But for example, one of the most difficult things in a metro at the moment is to figure out how many people live in the backyards or in additional dwelling units with other family members or, or renting from private people. It's data that doesn't exist. So the land use model's purpose is to bring that together as, as a best guess on the base here and then to make an estimate for 20 years forward. We then take that data and feed it into the engineering master plans. We generally generate between two and four scenarios. So is it like high economic growth leading to less informality or very low economic growth leading to mass informality? And so depending on which scenario we model in numerical terms, we put it in GIS and then get the assumptions confirmed before we put the numbers for 2040 or we will now be going into 2050. And then we feed it into the engineering infrastructure master plans. They then test it together with their own information and we get a, an idea of where the pressures on the bulk networks are going to be if it's not already there. And we know that it's already in some places heavily burdened by capacity limitations. But uh, it's a very important project that we, we run in between the reviews of the spatial development framework. So it's the, the urbanization information feeding into the MSDFs, DSDFs. I guess it's a bit like being a skeleton, the yeah. skeleton around which you're going to build the plan. Yeah. But within that, there are scenarios you've described, yeah. there's statistics, yeah. there are assumptions, there's probability, yeah. and there's the spatial allocation of where these things land are happening users, yeah. and what quantification. Fascinating. 
before I let you go, and I know you need to get back to anchor this final session, the feedback that you've heard from people, the engagements that you've had with visitors, what, what have you been hearing, Annalise, and what are the things that might have either surprised you or really been take-home points for you when you've gone home after a long day here? Yeah. working in this space. So I think it's the first time we've tried this exhibition of our departments and their different pieces of work. I think the best uh, feedback I've received was that people are so amazed by the kind of projects we're doing, the scope of it, the depth of it, the quality of it, and the fact that they didn't even know it existed. So I think even just as an awareness for our internal colleagues, that was very useful. Some of the scholars really enjoyed the interaction on Friday where they could engage us on how to become part of the job shadow program, how to become a bursar or how to join the internship program. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. It's the day where the property groups, the city improvement districts, the property developers, um, community-based organizations and NGOs, I'm really looking forward to see what they would be saying. But there are definitely projects that they would find very interesting. And uh, yeah, we're having a very, very good feedback about this exhibition. I'm thankful for everybody's hard work. Well, more strength (laughs) to you and the team, Annalise. Congratulations. I've no doubt the amount of time and effort in terms of the planning, the getting getting things done, and actually, as you say, hundreds and hundreds of panels or exhibits Mm. that are on show here. Good luck to where it goes as well in the future in terms of being able to take it around different venues but most importantly well done thank you thank you pete you you have been our previous manager and you've been our encouragement we miss you dearly and i hope you put this part on this on the podcast because you've been the inspiration to many people in our department and they really miss you that's very kind of you Um, this is the part that i'll get edited (laughs) thank you so I'm here now with two of the event coordinators, Tandeka and Ashley, who really have worked tirelessly behind the scenes to get us to this point. Really looking forward to hearing about how you got through the administrative hurdles and managed to get us to this point. But perhaps you maybe want to introduce yourself to kick off Tandeka. So I'm Tandeka Kabeni and I'm with the Metropolitan Spatial um, Department here at the city of Cape Town. I am Ashley Hemraj uh, with the Urban Sustainability Unit. Ashley, you're architect by trade, Tandeka, a a town planner by trade. So we've got two of the professions in the house here. Tell us a bit about how this whole thing came to be, Tandeka. Where did the idea come from and how did it start to unfold? So during the course of last year, we were doing public participation on the municipal special development framework documents and the district plans, uh, which have now been approved by council. And part of the feedback that we're doing when we're meeting with the communities was that they were telling us or giving us feedback that we always come to them to ask for questions uh, and inputs into our documents. But after these documents are approved, we never go back to tell them how they can use them, when they've been approved, what they can do with them. So as part of the communication strategy, uh, then the department decided to put this event together as one of the key strategies that we're using to communicate what the work um, that we do as the department. So the event was another side to it, and that was to open up a window to the directorate, trying to really be transparent, showcase what happens on the inside, the thinkings and the element of really opening up the doors to the public out there into the world of spatial planning. Within this event, we incorporated every single unit or every single branch from metro, district, to urban design, architecture, and our development implementation unit. So we're showcasing 
all the inner workings. So we're exposing ourselves, opening up the back door to come through and have a intimately relationship with the public. And I think that's the key thing, is to have that transparency, to show how we think, and hopefully that will uh, start to have a, a more stronger bond with the public. As you would have seen with our program, is that we've got different uh, themes uh, for different days. So we had an event where we invited our politicians, an event where it was a career development uh, day where we invited our high school learners. And uh, what we have today is a learning um, exchange with the universities. And then tomorrow we're meeting with the big players in the cities like your investors, property uh, developers, and so forth. So the event really looked at every aspect, all the way down from a school child and all the way up to the developer, people that shape our city. So trying to catch those uh, young minds and then to direct them uh, into this field. We we know that this is a scarce um, field from uh, town planning all the way down to architecture and construction management. So to open up the young minds into the field was another strong component of this exhibition. What was the feedback you got, particularly from those school school children who to come and experience maybe for the first time sort of the practical application of things like geography and so forth that they might be learning about? Was there any particular feedback that you went, wow, that, that yeah. really resonated, hit home? Yeah, well, first of all, the excitement that you could see in their faces. And what we did, which was very special, is we asked our interns to speak to the scholars because we felt that if they, if the um, scholars see people of their age speaking on the podium and saying, look, I was also in metric just a year ago and now I'm an intern or I've just started a job, then they can resonate more with, with them. So that for me was, it, so it, it was so powerful in the fact that even our interns themselves, because we also asked HR to be involved, to come and talk about how to get a bursary from the city, how to do job shadowing, how to be an intern and so forth. So it was a very practical exercise that we did with them. And yeah, I, I could see in their faces that they could see, you know, what the future could look like and what they could be doing. So that for me mm. was one of, the One outcome. of our primary objectives was to, to inspire. And I think we, we did that with the uh, young minds. To inspire, bring some, you know, some desires and hopes in this uh, uh, sector. So I think we did that. The big thing, lessons we, we learned from it as well is that we need to catch them at the right time in their schooling career. Uh, so we captured the grade 11 and 12s. Maybe now we need to focus on those grade 9s when they're choosing this, those critical subjects. And that's something that we need now to influence at that level. So something that we learn to influence at the right time so that the learners can choose the right subjects so that they can lead them up and build them up, create the right foundations to enter the universities. Can I just add that some of the learners, they came with their parents and I had one mother and daughter. So the mother was saying, I just want to know, can you guys pay for the fees uh, <laughs> for my child? And that for me was very important because the mothers were learning as well as much as the children were also seeing what, what they could potentially uh, do. 
It's it's a massive issue, and I think that whole thing of how you can start to link this to, example, bursaries and so forth, the broader perspective over time, I think you'll start to be able to link some of these things in a very effective way. We live in a very, very polarized uh, society, and to be able to focus on those communities, those sort of income groups, and expose them to this field was one of our key desires. That was, that was key for us. And that's, uh, and even our deputy mayor was speaking about these kind of elements, focusing on those right communities and dealing with those sort of delicate issues. It almost goes without saying is if you know, you know, as in like if you understand or you've been exposed to some of these things through osmosis growing up or if it's been on the curricula or available through a strong, for example, geography teacher, who, then it becomes, an, it becomes a choice. But if you don't know, it's something that's, out there, it's unknown, misunderstood, and part of our whole built environment professional training space that we need to think through. But that's, I mean, that's been really useful reflecting on that. Thank you. And I mean, your your expectations going into tomorrow, where you're going to have the practitioners, those who might have had many, many years in the field, your sense of the feedback you've got um, in terms of who's coming, and what do you anticipate tomorrow? It's hard to tell, really. I am expecting a little bit of an aggressive crowd tomorrow because we're dealing with developers. Of course. What they want to know is what is the city doing to make, what is it, um, ensure ease of business the, within the, the city. The development processes are efficient exactly. and speedy. And, uh, what and, uh, yes, exactly. So those we anticipate to get those type of questions tomorrow because we have developers, investors and so forth coming through. So they want to know what is the city doing to make our lives easier. But we also want to ask them, how can we partner with you to make sure that the city works for you? But I think there's also enough out in terms of the exhibition to show that there's more to it than just a sausage machine where you input and output and, applications and, and decisions, right? And that's the point we try to portray with our display of the projects that we're doing and that we display projects from the planning phase right up to implementation so that everyone who comes here sees that we're not just planning but we are getting to a level of implementation as well. So uh, yes, there will be tension. I, uh, we, we believe there will be some level of tension but the idea is that is to fuse those tensions through exposing our thinking. Our, our long-term objective is to safeguard the city as a whole. And we long plan, and therefore, these developers have short goals, medium ter- goals, and long-term goals. So to align those thinkings, so th- and to diffuse those tensions. And I think that's the role for tomorrow. I think you might be surprised tomorrow. I think you'll find that particularly that this is new, an innovative way of engaging that goes beyond the statutory did you participate through the MSDF or district plan. It'll be interesting. I think you'll find you'll get a lot of lot of support for the for the way you've gone about it and what you're showcasing. But yeah, I mean you're never going to get away from some of the the basics of, you know, how how are things working? How are the basics in place? And I mean that is the nature of the game that this governance game we're in. I do, however, want to wish you the very best to the two of you for the rest of the the exhibition. Also want to say congratulations. It's very evident from the numbers that have turned out today, from the quality of the the stands and the exhibits and the engagement of the people here that you've really got something special. And I really want to wish you the very best with, with concluding it and replicating in due course. And we want to thank you also for this opportunity to just come and hear what we have to offer. So a big thanks to you as well, Pete. Thank you, Pete. I mean, really to help us to expose 
what's happening. This is great. Thank you to you for that. I, I couldn't not be part of this, good people. This is this is special, and keep doing what you're doing. All the best, and thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this content of the Talking Transformation podcast. Please feel free to give us feedback via our Twitter platform. That's at Talking Transfo and the number one. Or alternatively, via our email address, talkingtransformation101 at gmail.com. Thanks and recognition also to Tribal Need for allowing us to use their track, Flags, as our introductory and closeout music on this podcast.